Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. On this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, I had a chance to talk with Brad Graves. Brad is a principal project manager at RND Group, and we explore verification and validation of cloud software. And we get into some other things on verification and validation on software for med device. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And, you know, there's a topic that gets very confusing for folks, or I guess a couple of topics that get very confusing for folks in the med device space. And generally speaking, verification and validation or VMV is extremely confusing. I think it gets a little bit more confusing when you talk about verification and validation of cloud software. So the good news for you is I have an expert with me today. I have Brad Graves. Brad is a principal project manager at R&D Group in Indianapolis, Indiana. So Brad, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thank you, John. Glad to be here. So before we dive too deep, uh, do you mind giving folks a little bit of uh, your background and, and share a little bit about R&D Group? Sure. So I am, as you said, a principal project manager at the R&D Group. I've been with the company for 10 years. I am responsible for uh, several activities at the company, project management, some sales and marketing support. I do some regulatory consulting and I manage a few key customer accounts. Uh, I've been in the industry, software development industry for over 30 years. I work for in the healthcare space prior to R&D Group and have been a software developer, project manager, business manager uh, throughout my career. R&D Group, as you know, and uh, I guess our listeners can hear, uh, is a group focus focused on company focused on software development for medical devices. We've been in business for 23 years and have produced, I've been part of projects uh, that have been submitted to the FDA and we have over 50 devices that have been approved by the FDA that we participated in throughout our history. Uh, we focus primarily on software development, but we also have our own quality system and do regulatory and compliance consulting as well. Terrific. You know, and I, folks, I've known the R&D group not quite for 23 years, but for many of those years. And and I can tell you, they they have an expert team. They were doing software and med devices before software and med devices was cool. So uh, they've been through all the iterations, permeations, uh, whether your software is in, embedded into your device or it's standalone, whatever the case may be, uh, definitely experts. And they only focus on med device. So keep that in mind as well. A very key resource for you to explore. And you can find them at therndgroup.com to learn more. All right. So Brad, let's dive into this. Uh, I'll say confusing topic. Maybe you'll have other perspectives, but let's talk about verification and validation of cloud software. Maybe a good place to start is let's uh, delineate uh, or separate, uh, compare, contrast, if you will, verification versus validation. 
Sure. Yeah, it, it is a very confusing topic and uh, it's probably one of the most widely searched topics for people in the regulatory space that are really, you know, getting involved with software. Verification and validation are very similar. Verification is testing that a software product meets its specifications, uh, basically re- written requirements, whereas validation is confirming that the overall product, hardware, software, or if it's software as a medical device, it would just be software, but it's proving that the overall product meets its intended use, user needs, basically. So the approach is similar. You write, you have requirements, even for validation, you'll have user needs that gets trans that get translated into requirements. And you will test those just like you test uh, software requirements during verification. Uh, it, you know, ultimately the two are done independently. Often validation will leverage the activities of verification to prove that certain user needs were tested and verified, but ultimately they are independent activities and verifications done during the process of developing software before the software is considered complete, whereas validation is done at the very end of producing a combined hardware, software product, medical device product. Yeah, for uh, me, I was just going to chime in for a moment. I appreciate those insights. One of the things that that um, for me, the, the the distinction has been clear, but granted, I've been in this industry for 22 years. So, you know, I, I hope I get it. But there was something that somebody told me a few years ago. I was like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So like verification is demonstrating that you designed the product correctly. And validation is a confirmation that you designed the correct product. And when I heard those two statements, like, oh, wow, that that really resonates. That makes a lot of sense. Right, right. You probably heard people say you can pass verification, but not pass validation. So you may, you know, as a kind of a made up example, you might have a user need, say the device needs to support printing that you, for whatever reason, fail to put in your requirements for the software. So the software might fully pass verification, you don't test printing because it wasn't a requirement, but then when you come to validating the overall user needs, it would fail validation. So the two are distinct, but very interrelated activities. Another question that I think confuses people sometimes or or thing that I hear is, can my verification also be validation? And in my experience, sometimes that answer is yes, and I think that creates more confusion. Do you have any thoughts on that? It can. I mean, validation is driven from, you know, the product requirements definition, user needs, and you can certainly trace, you write requirements for your validation, you can trace those requirements to verification test cases, and you can leverage the verification uh, objective evidence capture to show that a validation requirement has been tested and passed. So yes, it really really depends how the validation requirements are written and whether you can leverage or how much you can leverage of your verification activities. The um, Another thing that, that I hear, and, I, and you hit on it a moment ago, is that I think this is a myth. Uh, I guess you can bust this myth or, or confirm it, I suppose. But the myth I sometimes hear, and it usually comes from people who are new to med devices, oh, well, I don't really need to write a protocol for verification or validation. I can just run the test, uh, whatever the case may be. And and I can make a decision after I have my results. What do you think about that? I would discourage that, first of all. I mean, you have to, everything starts from 
product definition, risk assessment, and then you define requirements and test cases are driven from requirements. So I think to run tests and work backwards is not very efficient and runs the risk of not tracing appropriately, not testing adequately, not uh, doing adequate risk assessments. That really needs to be a, a top-down approach in terms of planning and defining requirements. You can certainly do multiple iterations and have a more agile software development process, but you really need to do your upfront planning in a top-down way from product requirements, risk management uh, requirements down to test cases. For sure. All right. So let's get into some, maybe some more nuts and bolts. So does all software require validation? No, it, it does not. There's um, So medical device software has to be verified and it has to be validated, making sure that the product that, the, that includes the software meets its uh, intended use. Uh, there are other types of software that uh, get used to support a medical device, either producing it like you might have if it's a piece of hardware plus software you might have a manufacturing line that has that has software to drive the production of the manufacturing line so production software used to produce it needs to be validated the quality management system where you're maintaining all of your record and history file and your procedures that, that needs to be validated any record keeping software such as source code control systems where you're storing your software needs to be validated Issue tracking, like defect management systems, so that when you release a product in the field, you can track defects and release fixes or or, uh, corrections to the software. And then configuration management systems where you're storing your uh, documentation would need to be validated as well. So anything that's critical to managing the, I guess, the quality or the uh, overall details about your medical device need to be validated. All right. So are there some examples of software that maybe do not need to be validated? Well, one area that we get asked about a lot by our customers is tools that use that are used to develop the software. For, so for, for example, compilers like uh, Microsoft Visual Studio or some sort of open source uh, source code editor and compiler. Those need to be validated as long as you are verifying the output of those. Um, So you're building the source code into an executable and you verify the resulting executable, you wouldn't need to validate because you're testing the output of that compiler or that tool. Also, SOUP, Software of Unknown Provenance, is not going to be validated if it's included in your product. You're verifying your overall product and you wouldn't need to validate that SOUP software independently. So when you say something like a tool like that, where you need to verify the output, I guess talk a little bit about that. I mean, that, that I think that's important. I think there's some confusion here that, oh, do I need to... And I'll use an, another example sometimes that people ask about, like, do I need to validate Microsoft Excel? Uh, and you know, if I'm using it to make calculations... And that answer, of course, is it depends. But if you can verify that output, then the answer is probably no. But what are some examples of types of things that people should do to verify the output of software, like a soup software, for example? Well, verification is all requirements driven. So you'd have test cases for every requirement and potentially multiple test cases for a requirement. So we verify the software as a whole where the software consists of uh, the, the code that you've written, soup software, 
Uh, it's compiled by a compiler. All those tools combine to produce an executable software program that you verify as a whole. So that's the basic approach that we we follow. All right. So certainly, folks, if you have questions about verification or validation, should you, shouldn't you, how to approach this? Uh, you know, this is one of the, the areas that uh, the R and D group excels at. So you know, they're pros at this. So I would encourage you to reach out to Brad and, and the team at the R and D group. Uh, again, you can find them at therndgroup.com to learn more. So I guess sort of a, a next area to explore, this feels like verification and validation feels a little bit like it's, I guess, kind of not a moving target, but it's, a, it's certainly something that has evolved. And and I'm sure um, I can look back at my career and see how VMV has evolved dramatically from now versus when I first started. I'm sure you've experienced the same sort of thing, but maybe take a moment and talk a little bit about some of the historical approaches for verification and then also some historical approaches for validation. Sure. I've touched upon some of the key things, which is it's all requirements driven. And then you also have requirements to mitigate risks. So that really hasn't changed that all of your verification is, you know, I'll parse these out verification first and validation second. So that, hasn't changed defined requirements, clear requirements, and requirements to cover the entire scope of what your software does. There may be some features that are actually uh, delivered through the operating system, like printing is another is an example. Again, if you support printing in your software, there's there's some code you write most likely to initiate printing of a, a report, but the operating system itself is handling the the printer output, so you need to write requirements that define printing as a feature, and then you're verifying uh, the application software and the operating system software in conjunction delivers that feature in combination. So, defining requirements is you know that's both a historic and a current way for verif or key step for verification. Uh, you also need to identify. Uh, the soup software and versions, and as I mentioned earlier, those can be verified in conjunction with the overall software. You write your your test against those requirements, and then you essentially lock down the software. You you verify you know a version of your application software, a version of the operating system, a version of any other underlying software that you're dependent upon and you you lock that down and make sure those don't change because the reference standard used by the FDA is is 62304 and that states that you must re-verify if anything changes so the historical historical approach to verification is to do all the steps I just mentioned and then lock everything down so that uh, it can be shipped and not changed in a customer environment which would uh, trigger the need to re-verify. So that, that's kind of the historical approach for verification. Validation is, a, is similar. You define your user needs and you test those. Um, and I'll, I'll say validating software you develop first. So, so if you're validating software that you develop as part of your medical device, you do requirements-based testing, you lock things down, and if anything should change in terms of the, the software versions, you'd have to revalidate. Tool validation tools, uh, you know, so if you're validating a tool like your defect tracking system, it goes through the same process. You write needs-based requirements, you uh, test those requirements, and then you 
don't change the version of it. You validated a specific version of it. And um, unless you want to trigger revalidation, which historically has been a week or months long exercise, you don't allow the version of your validated tools to to change. All right. And there's, I think, a growing trend. I mean, certainly uh, it impacts us at Greenlight because we sort of kind of fit in this category, at least uh, from a system perspective, cloud software. So why should a, a company consider using cloud software and and how does this impact or what is different when it comes to VMV when you're talking about cloud? So the, the first of all, why should you use cloud software? I mean, I think we all use it on a daily basis and it's um, it's got a, a number of advantages. You know, it's easy to install. There's no installation at all. It's highly portable across different platforms, your, your phone, your desktop, your tablet. If from an IT perspective, you don't have to allocate your own servers, you don't have to pay IT staff to manage that software. Uh, it also is very scalable. It can scale up to, to multiple users without any change in the software that the end user is using. So there are, there are a lot of advantages to using cloud software, and, the, and those hold true for people developing regulated software, medical device software, and, and uh, people using uh, medical device software. But the, the main difference between cloud software and historical verified and validated software is the fact that cloud software is designed to be changed and you don't really have control as a medical device software developer or as a an end user of a validated tool over when those changes occur so the historical method of locking things down and not allowing change which triggers re-verification or revalidation are out of your control so that's really what you need to get your hands around for using cloud software, either as a tool or as part of your medical device software is how do you manage changing of the cloud, uh, either application code or infrastructure code that's being used underneath your application in the cloud. I think it's really confusing though. I mean, just the regulatory framework and the quote rules that are, have been in place for computer system validation and, and software validation, we're kind of antiquated and I, I think we're all kind of in limbo as to, you know, should I revert back to, you know, what FDA says about VMV of, of computer systems and software, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, even though those, those guidances and, and those regulations were, were, you know, written really eons ago with respect to where software is today. How do you help navigate that how do, what tips and strategies do you have for companies who are like i want to use cloud software but i feel conflicted because these regulations don't feel like they accommodate cloud software do you have tips and, and strategies for companies in that situation yes and there you can kind of break them into you know two types one is if you're developing medical device software yourself the other is if you're using cloud software as a part of your validated environment so you need to validate a tool that lives in the cloud the regulations you're referring to yes they were the i think principles of validation was was written or last updated in the early 2000s before cloud was it was beginning to be a thing but not uh <laughs> not nearly sophisticated as it is today, but it, it, that particular regulation is, you know, 
very open in terms of it doesn't specify how you have to validate or how you have to verify. It, it just describes that you must validate or verify after a change to, to the underlying software. So if you're developing medical device software, the, the, I think you have a little bit of an easier time there because you can define your overall architecture in a way that um, it can be tested automatically so that the principles of validation don't state how you have to test, you know, with manual test cases or automated test cases that should just mandate you have to test after change of the software. So if you're designing a medical device product, you architect it in a way that it has interfaces, APIs, if you want to call it that, that can be tested through automated test programs and you, that's particularly important if it's a higher risk class of software. The 62304 standard breaks software into classes A, B, and C, with you know B and C being the higher risk types of software. So those are ones that you really want to make sure that you have 100% automated requirements testing. So the first thing, design it to be testable so that you can run automated tests and you know basically immediately upon any kind of change. You can also architect it in a way that you're using containerization. There, I don't know if you're familiar with some of the containerization technology like Docker, which is basically a virtualized operating system environment. And if you architect your application in a way that some key result processing algorithms, which might be a class B or C, are inside of a Docker container, then you know that the operating system version won't change and you can isolate the B and C classes of software in different software modules so that they are testable you know, from independently from the rest of your software. So our architecture, containerization, making sure that the entire application can be tested in an automated way as much as possible will set you up so that you can easily test anytime a change is published by your cloud vendor. So another aspect of this is you need to need to monitor any release notes and bug fixes from the cloud provider or from your validated validation validated tool vendor and trigger re-verification, revalidation when changes occur in the cloud software. So that that's I'm jumping into validation a little bit, but that's yeah. kind of what you do with verification. You architect it in a way that it's containerized and, and tested in an automated way, automated way as much as possible. And you can trigger those automated tests either automatically every day or when you determine that something has changed uh, in the cloud provider. And I'll, I'll pause before I go into validation to see if you have questions there. Yeah, I guess the container containerization, I, I guess that's a word or, or it will be today anyway. I guess conceptually, I can imagine what that would be. Uh, but I guess for folks listening, can you maybe speak a little bit about that topic and, and that concept? And and maybe, I don't know if an example is uh, appropriate here, but if you could give maybe a little bit more um, framework around containerization. Sure. I think or hope a lot of the listeners have heard of virtualization. So that's basically having an entire uh, environment run inside of some controlling software. So you basically have the Linux or Windows operating system running in a virtualization control uh, environment and not running on actual hardware. I mean, ultimately, 
everything runs on hardware, but you can have these virtualized environments that mimic the hundred percent, the actual operating system behavior if it were if it were running on hardware. So there are a lot of uh, open source and commercial versions of containerization technologies. I mentioned Docker because that's one that's probably the most popular right now. And most of the major cloud providers, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, Google have ways to run Docker containers in their cloud environment. So the, the idea here is um, you write a cloud application and you break it into components and those components can interact either by passing files, writing to a database, they can hand off kind of a pipeline processing of data from one container to another. And those individual containers can then be uh, controlled and locked down to be a certain version of the operating system. And the code inside that container can be written to be tested independently of the rest of the system. Uh, So that's probably a lot longer to win. No, that's good. That was uh, really, I I appreciate that. Now, I I personally, I can wrap my head around that concept uh, a lot more clearly. So I appreciate that that insight. So folks, I want to remind you that I'm talking with Brad Graves. Brad is a principal project manager at the R&D group. The R&D group, I'm just going to say it, they're software experts. They offer the best FDA compliant medical device software development on the planet. So certainly been doing this for a long time. They're pros. Learn more about how they can help you with your worst software development, your testing strategies, including verification and validation. Uh, just simply go to therndgroup.com to learn more. And, and uh, if you have inquiries, connect with them, contact them, reach out to Brad, reach out to their team. They're here to help. Uh, they've been doing medical device software development for a long time. They're, whether it's embedded firmware or a user interface or software as a med device, this is, this is what they do for a living. So I would encourage you to check that out. And, of course, we've been talking a lot about verification and validation today. Uh, certainly, these are components that are uh, important to capture as part of your design control efforts, as well as your design history file. Um, I don't know that we'll dive into to risk management today. We might, uh, but certainly risk management is something that's very important as uh, you explore design and development and uh, verification and validation as well. And good news is we've got you covered at Greenlight Guru. So you may know, hopefully you know, and if you don't, you need to check it out. Greenlight Guru is the only medical device QMS software on the market today. Uh, We've designed and built this specifically and exclusively for the medical device industry. And yes, it was designed and and fashioned by actual medical device professionals, people who have worked in this industry for a long, long time and know their stuff and know the challenges. And we're constantly updating the platform to keep up with you know the latest, greatest standards, re- regulations, requirements, you know, EUMDR, 1345, FDA, and, and so on and so forth. So I would encourage you to go check out what we're doing at Greenlight Guru by visiting www.greenlight.com guru to learn more. Excuse me. And that was a mouthful. All right, Brad, we talked so far about some of the tips and strategies for verifying cloud software. So are there different tips and strategies for validating cloud software? Yes, it's often with tools that you're validating QMS systems, source code control systems, etc. You don't have the luxury of instrumenting the code. You're you're not writing the code yourself, so you can't go in and write uh, automated tests around 
APIs that the, that you're building in the software. When you're choosing to use a cloud-based tool and you need to validate it, you know, you, the one thing you can do is look to see if there's any APIs. And if there are, write automated tests to take advantage of that. Another thing is to look for tools that offer their own validation output, which you know, I'm aware that Greenlight Guru does that. And that's an excellent capability that your customers can take advantage of. If you don't have the luxury to write automated tests or take advantage of validation offered by the cloud vendor, then you need to write manual tests. You could potentially do a combination of automated and manual, but if it's user interface features you're testing, manual may be kind of the cut least you know, the, the common denominator that you have to fall back to and write manual tests against the user interface. So if you have tests that need to be executed by yourself and can't be automated, then you need to monitor the change history of your validated tool and understand you know, every release that comes out, what the impact of that release is. It may be that the tools released a new set of features that you're not currently using, and then you can uh, do a risk assessment and document that no revalidation efforts required for that particular release, but you need to have someone who's paying uh, close attention to every update and release of a tool, a cloud tool uh, that, that you're using and either trigger revalidation or at least do risk assessment and decide what needs to be revalidated. So automate if you can, use, take advantage of any uh, validation output that the vendor might offer, and then monitor the change history of that product and do your own validation if necessary. Yeah, for sure. I believe there are a lot of advantages of cloud software. You've hit on quite a few. Sometimes the cloud software that we may be using, though, may not be regulated. That probably creates a few more challenges, right? It does. We have, when you're dealing with software development organizations, they often have their, uh, the developers have their favorite tools. So we had a engagement recently where the customer is using an open source tool, cloud-based tool. Well, actually, it wasn't. I think it was actually commercial, but it was its history was based on open source, uh, and that was not designed with any kind of regulation in mind. Was was not uh, there? There was not a lot of outbound communication about what they were changing when they were changing it. So we just chose to revalidate it on a regular basis, and we also pushed the vendor to be more descriptive of changes they were releasing uh, because they're. You know, their habit, historical habit, was just to push a new release maybe every night if they wanted to, to fix bugs or introduce a new feature. And that's um, kind of problematic for a, yeah. a, a regulated company to deal <laughs> with. So. Yeah. So clearly there are some advantages of using regulated cloud software. So maybe elaborate on some of those advantages. And, and how do you know if the software is regulated? It might be another key thing to dive into. Sure. Well, I would think that the software vendor themselves would advertise and prove uh, evidence of uh, output because they need to, every release that a regulated application is pushing to the cloud needs to have appropriate testing evidence. So should be, without a whole lot of research, should be fairly evident if you've uh, found a tool that is designed to be used in regulated environments. 
Usually it'll be advertised because it's a key selling point. But regardless of whether you find a tool like that or you decide that you want to use a tool that it wasn't designed with regulations in mind, then either way, they're all the same advantages we talked about earlier about cloud software. You know, it's highly scalable, no deployment costs, no installation costs, uh, highly portable across different platforms. Uh, the key thing, if it's a tool that you're that you're using and validating, is that uh, you don't have to install it and lock it down yourself. You don't have to have your own hardware. You might lose a little bit of that improvement in cost reduction if you have to validate it more frequently. But if you automate that and have someone focused on determining whether it needs to be revalidated based on latest cloud release, then I think that would be less of a cost than managing the system yourself internally. So, I mean, regulated cloud software has all the same advantages as any yeah. piece of cloud software. Yeah, and I, I encourage people, like I, I get asked this question a fair amount with our customers and, and granted, Greenlight is a QMS software that's cloud-based. So similar principles as what you've been sharing so far, Brad, as it relates to software in med device and med device development. But I encourage people not to reinvent the wheel. I think there's some conventional wisdom that, that's a little bit more pervasive today than, than personally I, I think is necessary. But a lot of people, you know, we, like for, I'll use the Greenlight as an example. We have a, a full, thorough, complete validation package where we tested all of the software that we deploy prior to deploying it against requirements and test cases. And we have all the documented evidence that, that a company would need to, to be able to review and say, yeah, this has been verified and, and validated. And, you know, on their end, they can review that information and verify the output based on the, the test cases that we provide and the other documentation that we provide. And in my opinion, they don't need to go do some extra things from validation on their perspective because of the, the lifting that we do. And I would encourage people to to consider not reinventing the wheel. I mean, if you're a software vendor is regulated and they provide you with confirmation and objective evidence uh, as such, then then review that information and use that as a benefit rather than taking on another project to go uh, revalidate something that's probably already been validated. And in my opinion, my experience, the customers that have shared feedback from audits that they've been through with FDA and ISO confirm that that is a completely valid approach. So any thoughts about that? I can confirm it's a completely valid approach. So we have a, a common customer between Greenlight Guru and RD Group, and we've been involved with validating Greenlight Guru for that customer. And we do have documents that we've written, such as you know the, the risk assessment, the uh, validation plan, the validation report, but we are leveraging everything we can uh, from Greenlight Guru's output and referencing from the validation plan and the and the validation report. So the overall objective evidence and test case writing, I'd say 80% of that is just coming right from Greenlight Guru and the work that you guys are doing, and and we're just incorporating it into an overall uh, plan reporting package and. Uh, that is being done every time you guys make a release. So, which I think is every, every, about every half of the release, but <laughs> about every seven weeks right now. Yeah. So seven weeks. Okay. So anyway, yeah, it's, it is a huge advantage that customers should take or customers should use if they can find a, a vendor that produces that level of output that can 
uh, fold right into your uh, documentation, validation documentation. All right. So kind of wrapping things up today, Brad, any other summary points or, or key tips or pointers that you want to reemphasize for folks on this topic of VMV of cloud software? Just a couple. So, you know, cloud software is here to stay because it has so many advantages over desktop software and, you know, the regulations don't say how you have to test it. They just say that you must test after change. So understanding how to apply the regulations to cloud software should not prevent you from using cloud software. I would encourage people to to use cloud software. I think the percentage of projects we we're, we're working on these days, cloud isn't, you know, it's not majority yet, but it's certainly becoming more and more common. We have a usually have one or two active cloud projects going on at a given time. The risk planning and Monitoring of releases of cloud software is, is key to either triggering re-verification if you're writing your own software or revalidation if you're using a tool in the clouds. But that can be automated to an extent to get notifications when changes occur in the cloud environment. And then you know automation as much as you can. So if it's your own software you're writing, develop it with automated testing in mind so that you can uh, trigger retesting at any point in time, either or even daily if you want, and then try to apply automation as much as possible to tools you're using. And that's that's how you can fit cloud software into your overall regulated device software strategy. That's awesome. Brad, I appreciate you sharing your tips and pointers and professional insights on this topic. It can be confusing, but thank you for taking time uh, to talk about VMVF Cloud Software on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. My pleasure. And folks, as I mentioned, the R&D Group, uh, check them out. They're here to help you. Uh, go to therndgroup.com. I also want to encourage you, I had a chance to recently do a, an episode with one of Brad's colleagues, Kathy Wilburn, and we talked about IEC 62304. Certainly uh, a component of VMV, as Brad and I spoke about today. But uh, if you haven't listened to that episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, Go find it wherever you're listening to this episode. It's recent. It was within the past couple of weeks. You'll be able to find that. Enjoy that episode. We, Kathy and I dive super deep into 62304 and talk about waterfall versus agile and all these sorts of fun topics when it comes to product development processes and lifecycle management of software. So definitely an awesome episode that I, I had the pleasure to do with Kathy and and also from the R&D group. So check that out. Again, I want to remind you that Greenlight Guru, we're here to help. We have a medical device QMS software platform designed for the medical device industry and only the medical device industry. Within that software, there are workflows to manage documents and changes and design controls and risk as well as all of your post-market quality events like kappas and complaints and non-conformances and, and so on and so forth. So we're here to help. Go check it out, www.greenlight.guru to learn more. I also want to thank you for being a listener of the Global Medical Device Podcast, whether this is your first time or you've listened to the 100 plus episodes. Thank you for being a, a listener. Share this with your friends. Continue to keep the Global Medical Device Podcast as the number one podcast in the medical device industry. And as always, this is your host, founder, and VP of quality and regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear, and you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.